Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range. Or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you've recently failed at creating a new habit, I have one major reason to share with you on why that is, and I bet you'll be surprised. Welcome to About Progress. I'm Monica Packer, a regular mom and recovering perfectionist who uncovered the truest model to dramatic but lasting personal growth. It's progress made practical. Join us to leave the extremes behind and instead learn how to do something to grow in ways that stick. If you like this podcast, then you'll go crazy over my new course coming out May 1st, The Sticky Habit Method. The pre-sale is going on right now with special bonuses, and you can find that at aboutprogress.com slash method. I'm one of those people that loved playing an instrument until I got to a certain age. And then even despite me saying I wouldn't be one of these people, I totally petered out of practicing and doing well with it. And now I feel like I'm starting almost back at square one. I was a flute player all through high school. 
Um, and if I may say so, I was the top flute player at my school when I graduated from high school, but I wasn't good enough to get into any of the college programs. And so now for over 15, 17 years, how many years has it been? 18. You know, I've played here and there for my for my church stuff, for family things. And you know, year after year, my my skills have gotten worse. So this was the year that I was going to get back into playing the flute again. A couple years ago, I took lessons for a little while, and I was ready to start that up again. Last month, I went and got my flute repaired. I talked to my old teacher, and I just told her, give me a month to try to get back on the horse and kind of practice my scales again. Um, and I decided to myself, okay, I'm going to keep this small because I know it needs to be doable. So I'm just going to tell myself all I have to do is practice 10 minutes a day so I can get into the habit again. And I'm a habit person. I love learning about habits. I love teaching about habits. But even for myself, I did something really wrong in that strategy. And I want to share with it, um, share that with you today because guess what? I failed in keeping that new habit. I have not practiced my flute even for one minute for the last month since my flute was repaired. I actually love habit fails. That's what I call them. And that's when we are trying to create a new habit and we just fail at it. Either we try and we do well for a little while and we drop off or we don't even really get started. And I want to again remind you that even the most habit-minded and most habit-educated of us fail at new habits. In addition to that flute one, another one that I have failed at is writing every day. I told myself, okay, I'm going to keep this simple, trying to get into writing because I'm hoping to write a book this year. That's one of my big goals this year. And I just said, okay, I'm going to write for just 10 minutes a day. I can do 10 minutes. It will be easy. Um, it's something I can do. But even then, <laughs> I've, despite you know a couple writing sessions that have been far past 10 minutes in length, I have not gotten into the habit of writing every day. Now, these were both habit fails for me. They were both small, though. They were both doable, but I still failed at creating them. When you experience a habit fail, I hope that you can take on the mind shift that I have learned the last few years that have really transformed my ability to create lasting habits. And it's the mindset shift of looking at habit fails differently, of seeing habit fails as opportunities to give me information on what I need to do to make this habit stick. In the past, what I used to do with these habit fails was I would get into that shame and blame cycle of getting mad at myself, of thinking that I'm the worst or nobody else is like this. And why do I always fail? I kept into this shame and blame cycle whenever I could to reaffirm in myself that I was bad at creating habits. Is that what you do too? When you experience a habit fail, who do you blame? Yourself. I want to volunteer this idea to you. It's not your fault. You are not to blame. It's the method that you are following that is to blame. We are all following these methods that I have a lot to say about, a lot, but they aren't realistic to our real lives. So we try to create a new habit and we think we're following some parts of the method that should make it work for us and yet we still find ourselves failing. And what do we do? Instead of blaming the method we're following, we blame ourselves. I want to end that for you by first helping you look at habit fails differently as opportunities to grow, to learn, to have data that show you where to go right the next time you try, and also to tell you one of the biggest reasons that people fail at creating new habits that they might be missing 
altogether. And by might, I mean the majority of people who have habit fails. So now that I've offered a new perspective on habit fails altogether and how it should be something that we just embrace, we put on our scientist goggles, we look at the data that they offer to us. Next, I want to tell you the biggest reason why most of us fail at creating new habits. There's obviously a lot of factors at play with habit fails. Maybe you went for too much too soon with a habit. Maybe your habit wasn't specific enough or too perfectionist bound, like too all or nothing. But there's one in particular that I want to focus on today, and this fix could fix your habit fails altogether. It's what I call the dangling habit. What was wrong with my goal to practice for 10 minutes a day, to write for 10 minutes a day? They were both small, right? And doable. The problem with both of these habits were that they were dangling habits, meaning they were not attached to anything. Think about some recent habit fails that you have had and how they might be dangling habits, meaning they're not attached to anything. Some that come to mind for me that I see most common in our community are habits like, I'm going to go for a walk every day. I'll write in my journal at night. I'm going to meditate. I want to pray. I want to get off my phone at night. If you don't have a new habit attached to an already existing habit, what you have instead is a dangling habit. Think of these dangling habits like spider webs. How many of us have seen a spider web in full form, like with all the beautiful webs and like intricate designs just out there dangling in the air? No, none of us have, right? Spider webs stick because they stick to something. If a spider web somehow gets thrown off its attachment and it's just dangling in the air and blowing in the wind, it's going to wrap around itself and fail in its job being a successful spider web, right? It's dangling and it flies away. That's the same thing with habits. If you want a sticky habit, it can't be a dangling habit. It can't exist in the air. It can't be something that you just plop into your life without it being attached to something. Now, what's the danger in these dangling habits? Even if we have great intentions like I did, even if they're small or more manageable habits and they, they, they serve greater goals and ways we want to better live into our identities. So they're good stuff, but what is the danger in plopping in dangling habits to our lives? To me, the danger is the fact that we can too easily forget what those new habits are. And that's been the case with me with writing and with practicing my flute. Life is just busy and I completely forget about it until I'm like up in the middle of the night doing something or some random time of day where I can't be practicing. I'm like driving my kids around and suddenly I'm like, oh yeah, I was going to write today. And then I immediately forget. This happens especially as women because we're rock stars and we're awesome. And we also have the research-backed, very proven responsibilities that are far more prone to making us interrupted and distracted. That's research-backed, okay? So if we have a dangling habit, it's dangerous because we're going to forget. If we don't forget, or if we remember, 
but it's not very often. The next reason why this is a danger is because we can't be consistent with those habits. Inconsistency is like the kryptonite to habit formation. If you cannot be consistent, it is not a habit. Now I have a whole different way of looking at consistency. I'm not going to go down that road right now, but I will say consistency is key to creating habits that stick. So if you can't be consistent, those habits are not going to stick. And the third big reason why dangling habits to me are dangerous is because if it's just dangling and you're just supposed to plop it into your life miraculously by remembering it suddenly and being in the right space and the right time and the right moment of free from responsibility, it actually takes a ton of energy to just insert a random habit. And when something requires a lot of energy, it means you are going to burn out from it quickly. So how do we fix a dangling habit? Well, just like a spider web drifting in the wind, what we have to do is we have to take that habit and we have to attach it. With a spider web, it is the most sticky when it's attached to several things, whether that's different parts of a tree or different parts of a piece of furniture, it's attached. And because it's attached, it's able to remain strong, it's able to remain consistent, and it does its job fairly easily, right? Because it's attached. So again, what we want for you is to create habits that stick. And to do that, we're gonna take those dangling habits and attach them. After the break, I'm gonna share with you how to do that. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Okay, going with that spiderweb stuff, again, what we are doing is we're taking your dangling habit and we're going to attach it. This is actually called habit stacking. And I'm sure you've heard of it before, but maybe you didn't make a connection to a brand new habit. Maybe you were just thinking more in terms of this longer routine that you wanted to create and the series of habits that needed to be stacked together to have that routine. Instead, what we want you to do is think of the small habit that you want to install and how you can attach it to something that already exists in your life, another habit that is already in existence. I have some steps to help you figure that out, but I want you to think of that habit stacking. It's almost like what you're doing is like putting a sandwich together, but it's a habit sandwich and you already have a piece of bread that exists and maybe some mayo on top of it. And now you're going to attach the middle part. So we're going to attach the next, like maybe the meat or maybe the cheese. And that's the habit stacking. From there, you can keep stacking more things. You can put whatever your routines are, are your creations. Routines are habit stacks, right? So you get to, to stack to that habit, but stacking a habit has to, like you can't just have like a piece of lettuce be your sandwich, right? You need it to be attached to other things in order for it to be doing a really good job and to work well. Maybe I've thrown in too many analogies, but let's keep going with this, okay? So habit stacking is what we're gonna do to that dangling habit. And again, it's where you attach the new habit to a habit that is already in existence. Now, it's actually a little trickier than you may think to do this. Let me tell you my process, and then I want you to think of a habit fail that you have had recently and how you can take what you've learned from that habit fail. And if it was dangling, like I've been describing in this episode, if it was just supposed to magically appear in your day-to-day life, 
then I want you to follow this little process. The first step is to narrow down the when. The second step is to decide the what. And the third tip is to practice it. I'm going to break this down for you. First tip was to narrow down the when. This is when you think of a time of day that you want this habit to go into. We can't just say, I'm going to exercise more. You need to get more specific about what that looks like, starting with the time of day. Here is where I strongly want to encourage you to not shoot for the ideal. We are going practical. We are going to go realistic. Realistically in your day-to-day life, what time of day would this habit work best in? What window of the day? Is it the morning, mid-morning, afternoon, on and on? Once you have narrowed down a time of day and you've been more specific about that, the when, you go on to the next step. You decide the what. Think about that time of day that you have for yourself and what typically goes on during that time. It doesn't mean you're a robot, so we're still saying typically. What kind of things and habits do you already have in place during that time of day that you could potentially add the new habit to? Whenever I do this part with women, they start to get that like blank look where they're like, I don't have any existing habits during that time of day. Yes, you do. And they're things that you don't even think about doing because they are habits. So for example, in the morning, there's probably likely some habits already in place that you wouldn't even think about as habits, like brushing your teeth or using the bathroom or taking a shower or emptying the dishwasher. Same thing goes with other times of day that we have. Afternoon, evening, what are some general activities and habits that are already in existence during that time of day? And with that, I want you to choose one that would make good, realistic, practical sense for you then to attach the new habit to. That's when you create something I call the when-then pairing. When I do that existing habit, then I'll insert the new habit. Let me share this with um, an example of me practicing my flute. I thought about this before I recorded this episode and I thought, okay, realistically for me, the best time this could go is mid mornings for me right now. What already happens during that time of day? Okay. Most of my kids are gone. It's just me and my four-year-old. I usually shower. I usually get ready. I'm usually cleaning up breakfast stuff or cleaning around the house. We do some mommy school between he and I, like we read books and do letters and stuff. So I kind of brainstormed some general activities that go during that time of day. And then I had to narrow it down and decide which one of these do I want to attach the new habit to. For me, I thought it made most sense for me to attach it to when I was done getting ready. So then I move on to creating the when-then pairing. At first I said this would be it. When I finish getting ready, then I'll practice my flute. And you might hear that and you think, that sounds perfect. Nope. It's not because it's still not specific enough. So even after you start with a first one, then pairing, I want you to try to get even more specific. So for me, I would say, how do I know when I'm finished getting ready? What's the last step to getting ready? For me, it's usually that I put the makeup back in the makeup drawer and close the drawer. That is my when that I'm going to attach the then to. So my final when then pairing I came up with is when I put my makeup away, then 
And I thought of the first step to my small habit of practicing for 10 minutes is that I have to walk down the stairs because downstairs in the basement is where we have the piano and my flute. So my first step to that habit is to walk down the stairs. Here's my one then pairing. My finalized one then pairing is to when I put my makeup away, then I'll walk down the stairs. Okay. So that's what I want you to think about is first, when is this going to happen? What is it going to look like? Meaning your one then pairing, attach it, attach it. That's the most important part of the dangling habit. But there was a third step, right? And the third step was to practice it. Nobody is above this step. When I was a middle school teacher, I had these eighth graders that were definitely too cool for school, right? And in my middle school, eighth grade, it was the last grade uh, that I taught in. And, and I wasn't much older than them. I was like 21, 22. And that might seem like a big time, you know, age difference when I was 21. But, but looking back, I'm like, oh my goodness, I was only a few years older than them. And I was trying to teach them just our routine of coming into the classroom and where to put their stuff and what to do first. And at first I just told them what to do. And after a couple weeks, that wasn't working. And so then what we did is first we came up with this like body symbolism stuff. That's hard to explain, but I would act like, like I would have them literally like act like they were walking in, in place. Then they sit down, open their book and they, they open their palms, like they're opening their notebook anyway. So I kind of gave them some body symbols and that helped, especially as we were like, first you walk in, sit down, open the book. Like we did that. But you know what made the biggest difference is when I took 20 minutes or probably less, honestly, and I had them all line up at the door of the classroom and practice walking in, greeting me, sitting down, opening their notebook and doing that little routine that we had. That is what made them finally do it. Your brain is amazing because it can remember things when you have walked through it with your body outside of the time and space that you actually want to install this new habit in. So I want you to practice your when-then pairing outside of the normal time that you'll be doing this. Elite musicians practice, artists, dancers, mathematicians, I don't know, They all practice their way to mastering something. And if you want to make a habit that sticks, if you want to master your habit, practice it. Remember your when then pairing and practice it. So pretend like I would, what I would do is pretend I'm closing the makeup drawer. Actually, I would go into the bathroom. I would pretend I've done my makeup and close the drawer. And then I would walk down the stairs and I would do that a couple of times. And that's where you really get to hijack your brain so that it works, especially because now it's not a dangling habit, both in the the plan that you have, but it's not dangling in your brain anymore. It's more connected. Let me review my little process to attaching your dangling habit is one, narrow down the when, two, decide the what, and three, practice it. What I want you to do now is to think of that recent habit fail that I asked you to think of earlier and ask yourself if you knew when it was happening and what was happening, meaning was it being attached to something? Was it stacked onto another habit or not? And also contemplate, like, did I practice it beforehand? So if not, that's what I want you to walk through, that three-step process. Narrow down the when, 
decide the what, the when, then pairing, and practice it. One of the most common small habits that you have all been working on is exercise. I've asked that. I'm like, what are you working on? Well, that you felt out a lot recently. And people say exercise. I am betting you it's because it's not attached. It's a dangling habit. You just say, I'm going to exercise. Even if you say, I'm going to exercise in the morning or in the afternoon or the evening, still knowing the general time of day is not an attached habit. It's a dangling habit. So what I want you to do is to go through that process. And as part of it, one last tip is I want to encourage you to start small. Even when you start that that exercising routine, still keep it small. There's all sorts of research and teachings I want to share with you on why that is, but that would literally double the length of this episode. However, that information is in my new course that is coming out May 1st, The Sticky Habit Method, and it's currently in a pre-sale right now, and I would love to have you take part. So if that is something that you are thinking about, can you consider joining the course? Right now, we are doing some special pre-sale bonuses that are going to end May 1st, including some free Q&A group coaching calls that I will host for each module as people work through them. So we'll probably do like one a month for a little while and you get to take part in that. And that means that you get to get personally coached through your specific habits that you're working on. There's other um, bonuses included too, like a workbook, special printouts and more, but If you get in the pre-sale, you're going to get some ones that are going to go away by May 1st. You can sign up for Sticky Habit Method at aboutprogress.com slash Sticky Habit Method. And that's all squished together. There's no hyphens. Sticky Habit Method. I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants that you need to grow. Here are the progress pointers from this episode, and those on my Go Get Our newsletter get access to this in a graphic form each week. Number one, habit fails are good. They provide information on what we can do to create habits that stick. Number two, if you have a habit fail, there's likely several factors, but the most overlooked one is that it was actually a dangling habit. Number three, a dangling habit is a new habit that is not currently attached to an already existing habit. And number four, to fix this, narrow down the when, decide the what, and practice it. Your do something challenge this week is to analyze a habit fail that you've had and figure out how you can better attach it if it's a dingling habit. So analyze a habit fail and figure out how to attach it. If you do that, make sure you email me, DM me, send me some sort of message or tag me so that I can see it so I could spotlight you on the show. This week, I want to do a progressor spotlight of an Instagram comment reviewer or I don't know, commenter, uh, Lila B. Baby. That's her profile name. I love it. We recently talked about burnout, and this is what she had to say about her own experience in learning that she needed to step out. She needed to give herself more support to go through a burnout. She says, quote, luckily, I was recently able to pull myself out of an extreme burnout situation by giving a huge task to my husband. I had to accept it wouldn't be done in the same timeline I would have done it on because that's not how my husband works. That one shift helped immensely, and I've made bigger and bolder changes since to discover a pace of being able to prioritize many other things that have brought me to a much better place, unquote. So I'm so happy for you, Lila. Thanks for sharing about that. 
Was this episode helpful for you? If so, here are two free and easy ways that you can help the show. The first is to share about the show. And remember, if you do it on Instagram with a link and tag me at About Progress, you are automatically submitted to our monthly giveaway we're doing for a while. And number two, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We had two reviews left lately, and it meant so much to me to see those reviews after nearly four months of not having any reviews. So I'm really grateful those came in. Thank you so much for listening, my friends. Now go and do something with what you learned today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.